Welcome back to this week's episode of Warriors Unite podcast. In this week's episode, I will be joined by Wayne. Wayne is going to take us on the journey of what it's like to be the parent of somebody that has a chronic illness. So please stay tuned and join us as us Warriors Unite. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Warriors Unite podcast with me, your host, Carolyn. This week we have joining us is Wayne. Hey Wayne, how are you? Hi, Carolyn. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. You well? I'm good, I'm good. No fear of me, as I say. So this week, I just want to explain to people, we're going slightly a little bit um, different in this episode. Wayne is going to come on and discuss his daughter's chronic illness and the points from, well, from his point and his perspective as a parent that has a child dealing with these types of illness. So it will be great for everybody else to hear and for the community because he has given his daughter a voice so we will let it over to you, Wayne. Thanks, Carolyn. Firstly, thank you for letting me uh, sort of come on to your podcast and, and discuss um, Grace and her story and also uh, a little bit of the journey of what it is to be a parent of a, uh, a child with a disability, because I think that is important as well to, uh, to sort of um, to put that out there and get some sort of understanding from from an outsider's point of view of what it means to actually um, have a child with a disability and all the, all the things that that can bring, the good mm-hmm. and the bad and the indifferent. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm the father of two girls, I should say. Uh, one of them, 18-year-old, uh, and uh, she's a very healthy 18-year-old, um, typical teenager. And uh, the the other, who is also a teenager now, Grace, and uh, Grace is 14 now. Um, Grace was born um, with hydrocephalus and uh, spina bifida and uh, various other things that go along with that, those conditions. Um, Grace was, uh, yeah, Grace was born um, in the knowledge that she would be born disabled. Um, and it came as a great shock to us, obviously, because um, my other daughter, Jenny, was a, a, a healthy baby. Um, and, uh, of course, having a healthy baby, you expect your next child to be as healthy. And uh, it came as a bit of a shock um, when we learned that she, she was to be born um, with disabilities. And uh, we were slightly older parents, so we did all the tests that uh, um, a lot of older parents do, the nuchal fold test to um, screen for um, downs and all the screenings that we had were, were clear. We had no indication that um, there was anything wrong with Grace at all. And at the 20 week scan, um, we, um, we were told there might, might be an issue from that scan. Uh, no detail as such. And uh, it was referred on to a consultant. The, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the scans were referred on to a consultant and we very shortly received a letter saying you know, Grace, we believe Grace has these conditions. Um, we'd like to speak to you um, and uh, try and 
um, give you some understanding of what that might mean for you. Um, so they gave us these two two words that we had never come across before, mm. um, spina bifida hydrocephalus, and of course, what do you do when you're when you're given a diagnosis yeah. uh, of, of the possibilities of that? You go on to good old Google and good old Doctor Google, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And you spend most of your time googling everything and anything you can find out. Um, about the the condition, um, and that was probably one of the worst things we could have done, uh, in all honesty, because the amount of information we got was so varied, um, so different. Mm. People's advice was very different depending on where in the world they were, and. Um, you then read into the, the possible causes and then you take on some of, some of the sort of um, guilt of some of the causes, etc. So to cut a long story short, we, we went to see the consultant. He gave us the full diagnosis. He gave us um, the implications of what that could mean, um, the level of disability, and that varied from um, slight to very severe and they couldn't guarantee what what end of the scale that might be and um, we were by the time we saw the consultant we were 22 weeks um, into the pregnancy mm. so we very quickly or we were told very quickly to decide how we wanted to proceed in no uncertain terms as to whether we wanted to go forward to the with the pregnancy or not. And again, one of the hardest decisions any parents faced with, I think um, we had no firm idea of, of what it would mean to us and how we would, how we would go forward um, and cope with some of the things that we were told about the condition. And uh, we, were, we were at a loss really at that stage. But the consultant was a very good consultant, and um, he said, come and see me in, I think it was a week's time, because we had a very short time for the decision-making process. Ideally, they wanted it before the 24-week period. Um, they said that they could extend it, but the, you know, the more you extended the length of time, if you wanted the more to it not forward. go forward, mm. then the more risk there was yeah. to my wife. Um, but he made an appointment very craftily to see us again in I think it was a week's time and at that appointment without any without any warning at all he introduced us to another family um, with a son who was I think he was six six or seven at the mm -hmm. time and uh, he was the same same diagnosis as um, Grace he's spina bifida hydrocephalus and uh, he introduced the family to us, which was a bit of a shock because at that time, I'll be quite honest, we were we were we were going into the room um, saying that we didn't think we could go through. With it. We had no family support. Mm -hmm. We had no family support. It was just us. Um, we had an older child. We'd sort of we'd we'd thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and, and we just didn't know anybody else at that time 
who had a child with the condition. He introduced us to this family. We met the family, we had a good long talk. Um, we could see how their son was, how full of life he was, how able he was, how um, he was, you know, he is a beautiful lad, you know, and uh, he's grown to be a, a, a great lad. And it changed our whole perspective. In that afternoon, it changed our whole perspective, turned us around, um, and we decided to go through with the pregnancy. I have no shame in, in saying we had thoughts to do the other. Um, of course, of course, yeah. It has to be a decision for the individual parents, I think. Absolutely. What's best be for you and what would be best for the child as well, if you had went through Absolutely. Well, it's a, whole, it's a whole gambit. It's a mm. whole thing. You know, I can say this now in, in retrospect, but my experience with Grace is going to be totally different from the family that we, we had met at that time um, experience. And the, 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 one, the one thing I'd say to any parent that's going through similar decisions, similar heartache, is that there is no right or wrong decision. It's what you feel you can manage. And when you, when you are ever faced with something like that, the only advice I can ever give anybody is it has to be your decision, nobody else's. And it has to be a decision based on based on the supports you've got around you. Because I think regardless of how strong you think you are as an individual and as a family, you need support around you. Um, that's how, how we felt anyway. Somebody else might feel different, but that's how, that's how we felt. Um, we made the decision to go through with pregnancy, and I can honestly say that despite everything um, mm. and all the tri trials and tribulations we've gone through, I'm, I'm glad we did because it gave it's given us a perspective on life that you wouldn't necessarily get otherwise. You know, absolutely, um, a perspective on disability, a perspective on. Um, just living a different life. Mm. Uh, life is certainly not a not a standard sort of way of living for any stretch of the imagination. But it um, it was a decision I'm glad we made. Grace is a real blessing to us, and she's a blessing to a lot of people she comes in into contact with. And despite all the other grief we we've had, mm. I I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed that decision now. Mm. Um, regardless of, of, of where I find myself now. But we went through with the pregnancy. Um, Grace was born. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what um, spina bifida is, spina bifida comes in various different degrees of, um, of severity, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it can be a condition that barely affects you. Um, it can be a condition that severely affects you. Um, Grace's particular um, condition is uh, means that she is now in a wheelchair. We're unsure mm -hmm. of whether she'll uh, she'll be able to walk again. 
and she has delayed learning. Um, she has cognitive um, issues um, that are very similar to um, autism. Mm -hmm. um, she has various uh, various uh, personal care difficulties as well. Okay. Um, but when Grace was born, spotting both the baby, um, certainly with Grace's severity, is born with a like a big blister on the spine. And in that blister are the nerve endings of the spinal cord. Yeah. Uh, spinal blister is basically a, a, a broken spine condition. Um, it's where it's, uh, the spine isn't completely formed. And uh, the nerve endings protrude from the spine and uh, are normally held in a, a, a little sack on the, on, on the back, back of the baby. So when she was born, it was quite a, um, quite a, a sort of an effort, I guess, to enable the, the the birth to not damage Grace further. Um, so the last thing you want is this this blister, for want of a better yeah. word, to burst, and the okay. spinal fluid to leak, and then infection to get in, and then all other sort of problems. So she was quickly whisked away from us at birth. Was it a C-section, sorry, was it a C-section delivery or a vaginal? It was a natural birth, believe it or not. It's mm. most, um, it was the most nerve-wracking time, even for, you know, I mean, births are always nerve-wracking for dads and mums, mm. but uh, mm. it was quite nerve-wracking at the time because we were, we were worried about her, her condition being made worse from the natural birth but my mm. wife bless her heart she she um she managed to give birth to grace naturally um grace was whisked off to have this um this lesion um sewn up um operated on straight from birth and i guess from that point onwards we had a hellish journey. I can't say it was an easy journey. Um, it, it, nine months, 10 months, we spent in and out of hospital with her um, with difficulties uh, of the lesion that she, she they, they made um, the scar actually healing because one of the conditions with spina bifida is that the, the skin um, the skin tone is very thin. It's like paper thin. It's not as yeah. not as uh, thick as it should be. So her healing was very slow. Um, the wound kept opening up. With the wound opening up, spinal fluid um, was leaking, yeah. caused, caused, causes infection. Um, it caused various conditions. One of which. She had strider at one point, um, which did the, the difficulty breathing, and it was so bad. Um, they had to uh, they had to fit a, a tracheotomy, an emergency wow. tracheotomy. I was born with strider. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not nice to see a baby with <clears throat> you know, gasping for breath and this horrible yeah. sort of rasping sound. That's yeah, that's what my mum said. So I was in hospital for six weeks, but I had a blood transfusion, but that's why I was born with strider. Yeah. yeah, horrible thing. Um but because spina bifida affects brain function and, and mm -hmm. all sorts. 
it affected the breathing, it affected the swallowing. She had this tracheotomy at the at the bedside. Horrific thing to to watch and go through, but he had a tracheotomy put in. The results of that was that she, I think the strider from memory caused, uh, although the tracheotomy mm -hmm. doesn't affect the esophagus, the effects from it meant that she was refluxing all the time. So, head, so they said, look, she's refluxing all the time, acid reflux, it's not doing her any good. Um, you're going to have to feed her by tube. And uh, she was, she was fed by tube for pretty much seven years of her life. Wow. Uh, firstly, through the nose as a baby, and then they put what they call a Mickey, um, Mickey button in the belly. And uh, she was fed by a pump for the first seven years of her life. I mean, even um, that in itself when is hard because like not only are you given like a list of complications and stuff that the child has go through and you, but it must be tough as well for parents to not be able to actually pick up your child and feed feed your child, you know, bottle feed your, you know, well, your baby. Absolutely. I mean, from 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 my wife's perspective, it yeah. it, it it was really hard for her, um, and she's not somebody that would necessarily show that openly, you know. But she. Yeah, what she went through, I wouldn't wish on anybody. But um, and the strength and fortitude that she she had and has is, is amazing. But I guess from a parent's point of view, watching your child go through all those things as well. Grace had brain surgery while she was in hospital because the lesion on her back, which didn't heal, meant that. Um, there was the the flow of uh, spinal fluid is created around your skull as well. That fluid normally drains out through a natural process, but hydrocephalus, water, the common term for water, water on the brain, means that that CSF, that spinal fluid, can't go anywhere. So it just gathers in the, in the head, in the head of an infant at least. It's bigger and bigger and bigger, and at some point, you know, you've got to, you've got to release release that pressure, yeah. which initially in the initial stages was done through boreholes in a skull, <clears throat> and then eventually, we were, we had a battle of consultants, um, one through, one neurology consultant, neurologist, and one uh, spine spine consultant. Spine consultant saying, no, this lesion will heal up, it'll be fine. And neurologist saying, no, 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 you really want to put these shunts in. A shunt is like a valve that goes in the, into, the, into the skull that basically feeds the spinal fluid from the, from it, the brain it, down into the peritoneum. Peritone. Mm -hmm. So we had this battle of consultants and we were sort of, well, who do we believe? Like, you know, we mm -hmm. don't want to put our child through brain surgery, you know, but... The, the neurologist saying, look, for a development point of view, if you don't do it now, you're going to cause irreparable damage to a brain and a, and a development. Um, I can't, I can, I can tell you, I, I was near sort of punching <laughs> one or two. I can imagine, yeah. At, at the end of the day, but uh, eventually we, we had to, we had to 
realize and accept the fact that she'd need this um, shunt. She had a shunt um, put in. Um, you know, all, again, all the time you're going through this, you're staying in hospital, you're doing shifts between you in hospital, it's creating pressure in the family. You've got another child at home who's thinking, what the heck's going on, Dad? You know, Mum, you know, why are you going away and leaving me with with friends or and just the 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 pure strength that you need to get you through that is is difficult, which is why I say and I, I go back to if ever you're faced with that sort of decision, and I hope to God, you know, you aren't, but you have to think about how much support you have around you because mm. doing it on your own, which we pretty much did, mm. is bloody hard. Um, it's knackering. Um, it's emotionally draining. It, it's scarring. You know, it, there's no two ways about it. It's scarring. No. So Grace... Um, Grace went through all that through her, young, through, through her younger years. She's now got two shunts. She's had brain surgery a couple of times now. God willing, um, those shunts will stay healthy. Um, and she won't have to undergo that again. Um, but we know we've been told that eventually, <coughs> eventually they will need to be revised because they only last so long. Um, so... At some point in her life, she's going to have to face that again. Mm -hmm. um, we just hope it's not not um, not too soon. The, in all, I guess Grace has gone through 30, 40 procedures. Wow! Um, both on her spine, her feet. Because um, another another problem that can occur with spina bifida babies is the limbs don't don't grow as they should do, and, and feet and and tendons and they they sort of cramp up they don't develop yeah. as they should do um in her early years grace could walk or learn to walk with a walker um which she sort of she was half and half in a chair half in a on a walker now and for the last four or five years she's been predominantly in a chair um, because her spine she's got scoliosis um, of the spine which for anybody that doesn't know is curvature of the spine um, so her, her spine is at quite an acute angle now we've mm. been waiting for two and a half years for the operation I guess um, to prevent her spine from getting any worse but while she's been waiting for that she's been in the chair so she she's got that over her head at the moment she's she's been sort of um she's been waiting for that operation which we hope to have in another month or so um so it sounds an horrific sort of it's a lot for parenthood i guess and, and childhood. yeah um, mm -hmm. But through all that, through all that anguish and through all that sort of um, heartache, Grace is is one of the most resilient little kids <laughs> I know. And she's not a kid anymore. She's a teenager. She's a young she's a young lady. She's still mm -hmm. going through 
you know what most teenagers go through mm -hmm. hormones are up, up <laughs> uh, in heaven somewhere but uh, she is a remarkable little girl and um, despite everything she faces it largely with a smile on her face wow. but um, I guess <coughs> excuse me from a parent's point of view um, the things that um, that uh, we sort of cope with that perhaps aren't as visible to to most people um, are the continuous personal care that she needs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I guess this this is where um, some of the invisible sort of um, traits of you want to call it a trait uh, of disability come in whereas you can obviously see grace is in a wheelchair um anybody on the street will acknowledge that she's in a wheelchair um some some well some badly but um the things that aren't necessarily thought about are the things like personal care um and you know not put a finer point on it, how the, how yeah. you go to the toilet, how you look after yourself day, daily. And that is largely taken on by the carer, mm. you know, and that is mum or dad um, okay. or sister. You know, her sister will take, take those duties on as well. Um, and people don't realise that when they see somebody in a chair. They just say, like, your legs don't work or... Really, I mean, that to me, if, if I want to get anything across in this podcast here is, is to, for people to actually think about what it means to be in a chair, chair you know? I mean, our, our journeys with spina bifida hydrocephalus is, is one thing, and but probably the thing that... The thing that um, I'm going to get emotional now. That that's that's that. okay. It's okay. Take time. The thing that will always affect me, even even though I've gone through it for so long, is knowing that her quality of life is is so affected. You know, to the point of, you know. <laughs> I had her this week, weekend, and we went to uh, we went shopping. And uh, normally, you, you plan out your route in sh in shopping because you know, Grace <clears throat> Grace doesn't wee when she wants to wee. She we have to time her wees every three hours. Um, to for her health. And normally you plan out your route. You know that you've got a, a, an accessible toilet in one area of the shopping centre, and, and you know if you go to somewhere, you go bowling. You've got you know, you know where everything is, and then all of a sudden, without any warning, the toilets that you know are the the ones that you use are blocked off. They're blocked off, and there's a note saying use the stairs to get to the toilet. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. Now, this shopping centre is probably uh, three-quarters of a mile long. Oh, God. You know? <clears throat> so, so to get to the next toilet, you've got to walk the other end of the shopping centre, and you can't take her up the stairs because 
you know, Possibly. she's in a chair. There's no lift to get get to the toilets in a chair. So they they blocked off those toilets. So off we go, <coughs> trying to find the other toilet. But it's things like that daily, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm Grace's carer when we're out, and I can I can take away some of that anxiety and some of that um, that pressure and that annoyance and it can be made into just a fun thing, you know. But when somebody's on their own in a chair, when they get older and then they're on their own and they've got that to face and it might be the last thing, you know, of many things that have happened that day, you know, mm-hmm. they can't get through a shop because the clothes rails are so tight <laughs> and t- together that they just can't mm. get through when that person is on their own and they see that every day, I can't imagine how that feels. You know, and this is why I say, Carolyn, grace has been a blessing to us in many, many ways. If, if not, you know, having her and her teaching us, her teaching us actually, this is what other people are going through every day. Mm. And you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily think two, two minutes about it, you know? Yeah, it's it's making more awareness from from your point of view, and it's good that you brought up on the topic because that's what people don't see. Like they look at Grace and they see a wheelchair, but with all these different types of disability and illnesses, they don't realise the background work before you even leave a house, before getting medications ready. Like you have to make sure you know where you're going, where is the nearest toilet. It's a big preparation, which alone would bring us on a hell of a lot of anxiety which then can lead to panic attacks if you're out or if you're going to a new shop or people don't see all this big huge thing that goes on before you even leave your front door no absolutely absolutely and planning somewhere away with her is an absolute nightmare you know it's, it's, you've got to make sure the room's accessible and mm. there are various different um ideas out there that what constitutes an accessible room to people you know if there's no standard um you've got to make sure that <clears throat> one of the things that i wanted to do with her was to take her to a theme park i haven't taken her to a theme and she wants to go to a theme park but whilst a lot of theme parks say yeah they're accessible you read the small print and how many rides and stuff are actually able she's able to go on and there's this big rider. Oh, if you've got this condition, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And they put a big rider on everything, you know. So you, you almost you, you you feel well. If I take her, the only the only the only ride she's going to be able to go on are rides that are designed for five six year olds. And she's seeing all kids her own age going on these fantastic sort of you know these, and you think well. Do I take her and risk that and have her emotionally sort of um, mm. not damaged, but you know affected through it because she yeah. is she, she one of the one of the other issues Grace has got she she can't rationalise her feelings, okay. so disappointment to her is Major. like the end of the world, like you know. Um, so I know how much that impacts her. So then I, I think well. Maybe I shouldn't take her because I don't want her to, you know, just have one of her moments. And 
it's it's a lot. There's a lot of invisible background, like you say, background things that that people don't necessarily think about. Should they think about? Maybe not. But the the one thing I would say is that just because somebody's in a wheelchair doesn't mean to say everything is physical and everything is down to oh their legs don't work or mm-hmm. back doesn't work there's a lot of stuff that might be going on in underneath that you know seeing people in um we used to speak seeing people in chairs and accessibility so-called accessibility at work mm. and i don't think we understand what what it means yeah and there's not like enough for disability disability equality anyway it should be made a, a major thing it should be and i think in many in many cases we're we're just uh, paying lip service to it i mean you've only got to see that when when you when i walk down my local town how many cars park on the actual street now if you take disability out of it you know there's there's mothers with push chairs and mm-hmm. you know and an elderly with walking frames and the rest of it, you know, and you think to yourself, well, that affects everybody, not just dis- disabled, you know, it affects everybody, but people think, ah, they walk around it. Well, no, actually, not all the time. You know, so it's it's one of my bugbears. It's one of my yeah. one of my things that I I tend to get uh, a little bit angry about, but. Uh, but of course, you're living. You're living it. You're you're seeing it constantly for for fourteen years. So of course, you'd get annoyed and tormented by it. Yeah, I am. And and to be fair, did I did I know about it before we had Grace? I knew about it. Did I pay much attention to it? Perhaps not. But um, it certainly opens your eyes up. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's a challenge. Most days are a challenge, but uh, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad that it's opened our eyes at least. What is the way with school and stuff like that? Are they? Um, did you have yeah. to go to a separate or a special school or anything like that? Is you mainstream that's, school? Uh, that's an interesting question and good question actually because um, we for a long time we. We said we didn't want Grace to go to a special needs school. Mm-hmm. We'd want her to integrate as much as she could so that she could feel that um, you know, she wasn't separated at a young age, and uh, which was great. You know, primary school, she went to mainstream. Um, <clears throat> and then when nursery primary was all mainstream, um, and the people we've had in those those schools were great. Um, you know, she had a carer, um, a teaching assistant, um, most of the time to help her through physically. And she really she really hit it off. You know, she was really coping quite well and integrated very well. Um, then she went to what I call. I always have a problem with the years. I don't know why. I I, I always hark back to when I was at school, which when you move up, secondary school was upper school, wasn't it? It was always yeah, upper school. Yeah. The mine was primary, middle, and upper. So when she moved up to year, what was it, ten or eleven? That's different in Ireland. It's secondary school when you start to get first year, secondary school. I know secondary yeah. school. Yeah. yeah. When she moved up to secondary <laughs> school, she 
went to a mainstream again. We we the the work we had to put in to to get it to the uh, to the mainstream um, school that we we knew would or we, we felt would be the best place for her was unbelievable. We had battles with uh, with the local council on on what she would she she could attend and why she couldn't attend this place but could attend this place. Yeah, it was just horrible. It, you know, a continual fight, fight, fight. But we got her into the school that we wanted. Um, which is a brilliant school, mainstream school, um, mm-hmm. and there was other children there with disability, other children in there with chairs. It was accessible, and we thought it was going to be a good place for her. But the, the, as Grace got older, it was it was apparent that her she we knew that she struggled with learning. We didn't quite appreciate how much. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it wasn't till she was she was at that school that we we had an, an assessment done, and um, we were told at that point in time that actually she's got learning delay of two three years. And because it was a mainstream school, they obviously followed the, the GCSE right, curriculum. Yeah. And there was no there was no veering off from that, you know. You, mm. you had to follow the GCSE curriculum, and it became apparent that she was just struggling. She was um, not really given the um, attention she needed to to actually succeed. Yeah. Um, there was yeah. no criticism of the school. It was just it was a mainstream school. They provided what they could, but it wasn't enough for her. Look around for a special needs school again. We had a battle on our hands for that. As, as um, many parents will know, there's good ones, there's bad ones, um, and mm, you always want the kids to go to the best that you can. Of course, get Jeez, yeah. Yeah. Um, Transport was an issue. Um, we we were lucky in that we we made a case, and that case was accepted. We got we we she's now in a, a special needs school, which is a brilliant school for her. Um, it concentrates on. Um, basic education needs but more skills for life as well so she's reaching the point now where she's got to an age where they're doing things like um, more cooking more more um, skills to look after yourself um, and that sort of that sort of um, basis so she's happy there she struggles Um, she struggles with uh, relationships and uh, she she's it's just this cognitive um, understanding yeah. that she mm-hmm. she struggles with, um, but she's generally happy happy at school. Um, the other thing uh, I need to say is is the support out there, depending on what um, disability mm-hmm. your child has, is varies. So with spina bifida hydrocephalus, there is a main support. Um, sort of online group, but it's very much a signposting group. They provide parents pretty much already know by the by the point they they go and check them out anyway. 
Or you could Google search it. <laughs> the same, the same. Yeah, Google it. search is other you know, people's experience. It's the same stuff, yeah. There's no, there's no substitute than mm. actually speaking to somebody else that has gone through it or that's got a child that's going going through it. it might not be the same disability. It might be slightly different, but peer, yeah, peer to peer is the way to go, isn't it? You, you need that support. Yeah. The system's the same. They still have to fight the system to get the the needs that they want for the child. You know, whether that be occupational therapy whether that be wheelchair mm. services where you know it's a lot. there's a hell of a lot there's a hell of a lot, a lot. Um, it's it's one of the things that i think is is neglected um the actual support for a parent going through that mm. you know it's very much find it out yourself and uh depending on what you find depends on how successful you are yeah, that, yeah, that's that's why I push an awful lot for self advocacy because it is it it is the only way to go because if you don't do it if you don't find out all the work behind it if you don't find out all the information every door you knock at you're you're just going to be told no 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 yeah absolutely and nobody's going to do it for you nobody's going to do it for you which is a bloody great shame because it, it does create a lot of a lot of stress and a lot of pain you know it, it's not easy. It really isn't easy. Um, anybody that says it is, Happy I want to know where they live and, and, and yeah. uh, how they've done it. How much money they have in their back pocket? I'd like to know if they can. Well, if they're saying they can uh, find some, it easy. Sometimes it is about that. Um, a, a lot of the medical care is down to how how loud you shout, as you as you know, you know mm -hmm. yourself through through stuff that you go through. It's how loud you shout and how persistent you are saying, actually, there's something else wrong and there's something else I need you to, to listen to. Um, I don't. And by and large, if you're persistent, you, with regards to the children anyway, they tend to accept the fact that you know your child better than they will ever. Absolutely. Um, certainly with children, it, it tends to be taken more that way. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but um, they tend to listen to parents a little bit more rather than just I, take it as a textbook thing. Oh yeah, you're you you you're a textbook X Y Z. <laughs> They'll actually say, well, okay, let's listen to the parent. Let's let, let, let's actually listen to what they're saying. Um, sometimes I think you, it's all. Do you sorry? Do you think it's also because maybe that doctor you're dealing with is a parent themselves, so they see the compassionate side of that maybe maybe mm. it is um and and maybe because some of the stuff um certainly with with the brain um function and, and neurology still a very very new science you know it's mm. it's it's not it's a hell of a lot they don't know about and they're still discovering um and i think they're willing to listen and, and a little bit more albeit we have been classed as you know parents that worry too much and in the past you know we've had that fair share as well but uh, i am a great believer i i really wish and maybe it's something that maybe it's something i get more involved in as i get older but i really wish there was more advocacy about parental care of of, of disabled children you know because I, I don't see anything out there. I don't. I, no. It's few and far between. You know, it's it's such a a gamble and a 
sort of a, a lottery as to whether you have got the right healthcare, the right councils for all the, all the other needs that you need, the right schooling. It's, it, it's not joined up at all. Maybe it might just take you that maybe your your new purpose is to is to start that and start up something yourself. It only maybe. takes one. It just takes one person to start. Maybe I think I think there's a a need for. I think there's a need for the, for parents to go when they're at the wits end with that sort of. Um, I don't know where to go and I don't know mm -hmm. whether I can handle what my child's going through mm -hmm. and, the, and the procedures that I'm seeing and all the rest of it. Because I, I'll be quite honest, I was I was traumatised by some of the stuff that, that I saw with Grace. I can imagine. Um, I really was. And it, it even to this day now, I've got every time I go into a hospital with, with Grace, I'm so anxious. You know, there's mm -hmm. nothing worse than taking your child down to the theatre, and you know you, you don't know what what the end result of the, the operation is going to be. Yeah. And we've done it so many times, mm -hmm. and uh, for her, for Grace, I just you know you you try and be strong and you try and be okay. You're just going for a long sleep, you know, and. You're cracking inside. Ripping yourself up inside. Yeah. That's your child. Your job is there is to protect them. Like from the moment you know they're growing inside in that belly, your your job is to protect them. So when somebody's trying to take that out of your hands, even though you're not a surgeon, you'd sometimes feel like you wish you were that surgeon because the child would be safer in your hands. I mean, that's an awful lot for a parent to go through. And then you don't have the resources to speak to because a doctor doesn't want to hear about that side of it. A doctor is there to no. do what a doctor needs to do, and that's to deal with the physical, the physical side of it, um, for their job. But they're yeah, not interested uh, in how you're taking it on emotionally. And it's, at it's no huge point, impact. neither of us, you know, Sally or I, were offered any sort of how you doing sort of thing, how you coping, how how you managing, and that's it's almost like superfluous to to the needs and really if you're not healthy as a parent if you're not coping and managing yeah then That's how the right. hell can you can you look after your child how the hell can you convince your child especially as they get older you know i've got a 14 year old little girl now and you're trying to convince your child that everything's going to be okay we're not too sure about the results of this back operation and then you get questions like why am I having it then? I don't want to have this operation. Why am I having it? I can't see any benefit, you know. And you're trying to say everything will be okay, and you really know deep down that I don't know what the future is going to be for you guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. I really don't. And I think I think that's one of the hardest things for a parent. You know, when if you know that they're going in for an operation, and after that operation, it will fix whatever it is. Then great. You know, you know, you have, you can move on that, that mm -hmm. one step in life and, and progress. But if you've got no idea of what her future is going to be and how she's going to manage, keeping that yeah. sort of tied up and that un, under your under your hat so that yes. she doesn't see that anxiety is is very difficult. Which is why I say there should be, we should really have. 
more open discussion for parents as to how they cope, you know. And, you know, how, how, do you cope, how do you cope with those sort of decisions that you have to make on behalf of your child? And uh, how do you cope thinking about the future? You know, is your child going to be independent? Is your child going to mm. live a happy life? You know, I know there's those questions for everybody's children. Of course. But it, it does, if you let it, it, it weighs heavy on you. I tend to just, I tend to... I tend to ignore the future at the moment. That's the only way I get through, um, to be fair. If you think about what's, what's happening today and get through that, then uh, you're I in a better really, place to be handled tomorrow. Yeah, I think that's, that's really, really good advice because that is that is all your problems. That is all you can deal with is what's there in front of you. And it's very easy for people to say, just turn off that stress and worry because you you have a child with a disability you have your constant worry is how is her future going to be like if she gets this operation what's going to be the next thing i mean your brain is automatically always thinking what's the next thing happening what's the next thing happening and as easy as it can be to say okay we'll just we'll deal with what we've got right in front of us it's still there it's not going away you know that worry is still there and you do need a support group for this especially to t to help take it off your shoulder but to be also able to put pieces together I'd imagine of what the next procedure might be if you have a group that's there and somebody has gone through similar of stuff that you have it's a small bit of reassurance or somebody you can pick up the phone to and say you know um and it, it needs to happen as if you as you said you haven't come across anything like that it's just no, wrong and it, it's it's it is from my own journey and and my wife's journey it is needed and maybe there's some people out there that that don't need that that would rather not have that would rather sort of make their own <clears throat> their own journey but my god it would be a hell of a lot easier to just know that some of the decisions you were making others had made and whilst they might not be able to make the decision for you and you should never make the decision for you you can at least have that that confidence that you're not alone as, as going through that journey. Honestly, Carolyn, I, I have to think, the way that I think at the moment, and it's taken me 14 years to get to this point, but the way that I think at the moment is if I concentrate on now, on making me stronger as a dad, then everything that I do for Grace is going to seem so much more um, validated, you know, but so much more um, powerful for her because there's nothing, and I have done this in the past, you know, I'm guilty of this in the past, there's nothing worse when you, when I look back and think all the stuff that she's gone through that, has, that had a direct impact on the way that I felt as well, there is nothing worse than you knowing that your little girl's going in for an operation you're having an impact on you, you're down, you're anxious about it, and you're trying to keep a brave face on it, and your child looking up at you for for reassurance, yeah. and you yeah. can put as brave a face on it as you want, but deep down, they know, they know, you know, they pick up on it. So I live now for today to make me the best I can so that I can be as 
stronger for her, and that sounds a little bit selfish. Not I've, had, I've had to do it. I've had to do it, you know, because yeah. it has dragged me to my knees at, at points. Absolutely. Um, and no. uh, anybody that's, you know, I, I I go to hospital with Grace, and I look around because uh, she goes obviously to she still goes to the children's hospital. And I look around at some of the parents and some of the kids, and I think, how are you managing? How are you going through it? Because some of the kids, it breaks my heart seeing what they go through, you know? It, it really does. I mean, you know, I know what I go through with Grace, but mm. children are a lot worse position than, than Grace is. And you think, how, how are they maintaining that smile on their face? How are they maintaining being... Um, there for the kids. It, it really gets me every time we go to that hospital. Um, well, it's willpower. Yeah, it's willpower. I was going to correct you on something there. I give out to everybody, even if you were on the street and I met you and you said the same thing. It, when somebody says to me, it, you probably heard me say it in a few more podcasts before, um, it could be worse or there's somebody in a worse position. They're not because no. this is the position you are in. This is yeah. your worst position. So people need to le let go of that stigma of going around thinking, well, look, look at the, like, as you said, the other children in the worst position. They're in the worst position for them and their family, but you're in the worst position for you and your family. So people need no, to stop looking at, look at. So I, I'll always correct people. It's like, if I could get my hand into that screen, I'd give you a little smack at the side of the end. Say, don't ever, <laughs> don't be thinking that because it is, this is, this is your no, you situation. Are absolutely, you, you're absolutely right. And, and yeah um yeah i accept that it, it everybody's journey is how it affects themselves personally um it could seem small one to some people it could seem a big one to some people but it doesn't but matter sure. one mm -hmm. iota it's your journey and how you tread that path and, and you you're oh. right no. you are right you learned something from me today <laughs> only one only one thing because i learned loads I, from you i always take something away from your uh, cast I, I always do uh, uh they're great uh, they're a great forum and uh hopefully somebody will take something away from this with us as well well look i definitely i mean without a doubt if somebody is listening to this and like i'm sure a parents out there somebody might want to link in with you that is feeling they're very same way and agrees with you that totally there i mean there should be a support group there so um just before we go do you want to let people know where they can find you on your socials if they want to link up um yeah i mean if anybody if anybody's out there and, and feels that um you know they want to um they need a little bit of support or, or just a chat or whatever, then I've only got so, um, personal social media, but I'm happy for anybody to contact me. Probably the best uh, place for you to contact me is my Insta, Tumble, T-U-M-B-L-E, 1038. If it takes that one person just okay. to rethink, rethink what they've always sort of taken for granted, then it's a step forward, you know, and what you're doing is great work, you know, I really applaud you for doing it, and I love them, and I, I love you for doing it, it's just oh, great. Thank you, well, if it wasn't without people like you, I wouldn't be able to do it. So thank you for coming on and giving me the time and being so open and sharing um, with
Thank you to Wayne for joining us this week and taking us on a very heartfelt and emotional journey about his daughter Grace. We do wish you all the best for her next procedure and I hope that everything goes well for her. If you would like to join us and become a guest on this podcast, you can contact us at Warriors Unite Podcast on Instagram or you can contact me through the website at www.warriorsunitepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and I do hope you will come again and join us as us warriors unite.